It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we have a different pod today. We will be welcoming in a guest. Uh, not many times we, we do that in here, but we wanted to get some more insight on the newest quarterback for the black and gold, Derek Carr. And Jeff, I don't know about you, but definitely want to hear from the quarterback already and moving on to some other stuff that's going to be even more important is surrounding your new quarterback with a lot more talent too. Yeah, and so we're going to have Scott Gobranson, host of Silver and Black today, great podcast covering the Raiders. So obviously he has been you know, at the forefront of the Derek Carr experience for the last nine years plus. So I think that's a good place to go for some information about the guy who's going to be the quarterback for the Saints for at least the next two, three years, maybe more, based yeah, on how it goes, right? Like a it's a four-year deal. Sorry, sorry, just a little more than the stat stuff. You want to know uh, more about the player as a personality, I guess, uh, because, yeah, it's easy to see what the guy's done number-wise and any of his performances on the field. But what's what's the dude like in the locker room and on the field around these other players? Yeah, right. Like, I can I can look at numbers all day long, but, you know, I, th- there's more to it than that. So we're going to get into that. Speaking of crazy people, um, we're also going to get into – Nick Wright's just nonsense rant about the Saints cap management. And it's like that clip from The Rise of Skywalker, which I don't reference very often, but it's accurate where he's like, incredible, everything you just said is wrong Um, or something like that. Either way, we're going to get into that. And then finally, we're going to make some predictions on where we think some of the key free agents will go this offseason for the Saints. Obviously, with the money they're spending on Derek Carr, it becomes difficult to sign everybody. Um, and so it might make for some departures that the Saints don't want. And that's always going to be a question. But first, Steve, did you hear Nick Wright's long rants about the Saints salary cap yesterday? Yeah, and it's it's funny because I love the Saints, you know, Twitter sphere is all when that came down to and it quickly gets posted and just the reactions to it. And it, and I was like, wait a minute, what's he saying that everybody's flying so much off the handle on it? So, of course, then you go and have to listen to it. And, I mean, I, I just don't get it. It's the outrage that, that <laughs> annoys me. It's like, well, well, he's so mad. Yeah, he really is. And it's like, it reminded me of the whole Breaking Bad, uh, you know, uh, Jesse, when he tells you, oh, I can't keep getting away with it. And it's like, I, I don't, I really don't understand uh, why he is so worked up too, and the fact that calling this that's the Saints, you know, running a Ponzi scheme here in the NFL. Yeah. Well, we're gonna well, we're gonna get into it first. Let's listen to it, <laughs> yeah, and then we can go great. from there. 
Yeah. Saints went all in on winning a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. Totally makes sense. I get it. It's what you do. They didn't, though. He then retired, and now they're running a team like they know the league is folding in three years, and none of the rest of us do. In 2021, they had $50 million in dead cap. Last year, they had $44 million in dead cap. This year, before free agency even starts, they're going to be at $40 because now they have to release Jameis. It is an unsustainable way to run a team. You know why Michael Thomas thinks he's coming back? Because he's $13 million on the cap this year to play and $26 million to be cut. How could that be? Because Michael Thomas, according to SpotRack, do you know what his cap hit next year is? It's $59 million, oh. which makes me think they are, they are attempting to run some form of NFL salary cap Ponzi scheme that we can't pick up on. Yeah. Okay. So, like, first off, I don't hate Nick Wright. I understand Nick Wright. I think I, I get where his brain works. You know, we have a lot in common. Both of us decided to stop cutting our hair around the same time. We both have beards. We both yell a lot. And that's great. We both have, like, slightly irritating voices that you kind of put up with. I understand it. And I also understand why he's so mad. <laughs> and I, I don't need to go through this line by line and, and, and take it down. But I'm going to because I'm feeling malicious and he deserves it. The reason he's so mad is that he is of the ilk that he doesn't like changing his mind, right? He makes a decision. He has a take. He sticks with it. And I respect that. The problem is, in this case, you're dying on a hill that is objectively the wrong hill. But he's going to do it. And I get it. And I understand it. Like, that's what sports commentary is, right? Like, you don't want someone who's constantly flip-flopping. Like, that's what I hate about Colin Cowherd is he will say one thing one day. And then two days later, he will say the exact opposite thing. I actually respect Nick Wright for having this take and sticking with it, even though it's the wrong take. That said, let's go through this because there's one thing that you cut out of that clip when you're bringing it down, and it's that he compared it to Ted Stepien, who was a former owner, GM, whatever, of an NBA team who constantly wanted to trade future picks, trade future picks, trade future picks. And the NBA instituted a rule to stop that from happening, right? And... That is the part of this that drives me nuts because that is like, that makes no sense. That has nothing to do with draft picks and salary cap are not the same thing. I also question, it's probably a good thing that Nick Wright doesn't understand what a Ponzi scheme is, because if you understand too much what a Ponzi scheme is, you might run one and that's bad for everybody. But like, I don't think most Ponzi schemes are highlighted by the feature that a rich person writes checks for millions of dollars and people get them and walk away happy because they got their money. Like, I don't think that's how Ponzi schemes typically operate. I might be wrong. I might have watched the wrong movies. But in this case, I think it's just saying it because it's a catchy line, even though it makes no sense. And I feel like he's trying to make it something where it's shady. It's something being malicious. They're doing something underhanded here. Yeah, right. Like, there's nothing shady about what the Saints are doing. It's very straightforward. And if you're choosing not to understand it at this point, that's very much on you. Like, that is you deciding that you're not going to think about this. I wonder what team Nick's a fan of, like a fan of that have hurt him that much that he's such a, like a Saints hater here because... He's a Chiefs fan. Oh, is he really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, he was at the Chiefs championship parade. He's like a picture of Travis Kelsey, like a selfie. No, and the thing is, like, I actually do agree to an extent that what the Saints are doing is probably a bit much. Right. Like, sure. Should they have tried to go all in and win with Jameis? Maybe not. But at the same time, 
what are your alternatives? Are you just going to try to lose? Like, are you going to tank? Because that's not going to be better for the NFL, right? Like, when when he talks about this is going to change, like, the NFL is going to change their rules to stop the Saints from doing this. He's assuming that the NFL is sitting there like, how dare the Saints try to win, right? How dare the Saints guarantee a lot of money to the players, which is the reason that they're perfectly fine with these automatic restructures being built into their contracts because it just guarantees their money. Like, it doesn't hurt the player. It doesn't hurt the franchise. And the only reason there's people out there who think it is like this negative way to run a team is because people like Nick Wright equate it to running up debt on a credit card. And they say like high interest loan. It was like, that's not true. (laughs) The money doesn't change over time. It's just the same money. You just push it forward. And like, there's a, he says he says the word unsustainable, but it's like how many years does this have to happen before you appreciate that it clearly is sustainable? Like, what are his actual concerns? Like, right. is he worried that like the Saints are going to run out of money? Is he worried that they're going to like they're going to have to stop serving dinner at the facility? Oh wait, they don't serve dinner at the facility. Crap. Ooh, burn. <laughs> but like, like that's the money's there. Like the money's not going to stop being there, and so that's why his take makes no sense. He can argue that like they might not be competitive enough. But this idea that somehow the ha- franchise is going to be is going to be hamstrung for a decade because they have a cap imbalance this next season is just nonsense. It doesn't make sense, and it's like he keeps yelling louder and louder, ex- trying to make it true, and it's not true. You know, I, I just I respect the fact that the team wants to be aggressive and do whatever it takes to be competitive, and like. Right now, I know a lot of folks wish, maybe there are some folks, I want to say a lot of folks, there's some folks that wish the Saints would do kind of like, I guess, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are currently doing, but that's that's just not the way they want to operate. Yeah, and here's the other thing. He says, the reason they have gotten worse record-wise each of the past four years, the reason they have won only one playoff game in the last four years is because when 25% of your salary cap is allocated to players who aren't on your team every single year, you don't have enough talent. And now to do this with Carr, blah, 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 blah. First of all, they literally were one Jared Cook fumble away from probably beating the Bucs and going to the NFC Championship in 2020, which is a year that he is including in this takedown of the method that the Saints are using, right? Like, the Saints probably should have won that game And, you know, you might point to Drew Brees having fractured ribs and like a torn shoulder blade or whatever the hell his injury was. You had a hurt 40-year-old quarterback trying to win a game and you lost it. That's not because you didn't have talent on the roster. Jared Cook, I'd argue, is way more talented than any tight end the Saints have had over the last six years, right? Like, they had the talent to win that game. That was not the issue. And then after that, you know what happened? Drew Brees friggin' retired. So wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that if they just didn't pay anybody, if they just said, yeah, you know what, we're just going to roster a bunch of rookies and UDFAs and go with it, that they would have been better? Like, that's not why they took a step back. They took a step back because a Hall of Fame quarterback retired. And then the next year, a Hall of Fame head coach retired. I just don't... It, it, it's unfathomable to me that he's disingenuously arguing... And expecting us to believe that he thinks that the reason the Saints are not as good as they were in the Drew Brees era has anything to do 
with the fact that Drew Brees retired. They had nothing to do with that. That is not a factor in this. I, I just laugh, and, and I think, you know, if most folks know the the scenario with the Saints is, too, it's like they've never really, that I can, I'm trying to think right now, lost out on somebody because they, they they couldn't afford to pay them. Uh, there's there's obviously people right. that have decided not to to re-sign or, or, or go after kind of thing, but it wasn't like, oh, their Saints were in it, but they just didn't want to pony up X amount of dollars kind of thing. It's pretty much... You know, I guess you could say the Deshaun Watson scenario, but that was a pretty extreme case, too, where Cleveland came out of nowhere with that guarantee. I don't know about nowhere, but they came in with that guaranteed money no one was going to beat. But this Saints, the Saints team has never been hampered by the fact that they've been, you know, the, the salary cap has been this big challenge to them. And I think that for whatever reason, it bothers Nick Wright that. Mickey, Kai Harley, and the rest of the geniuses they've got in that front office are able to massage or manipulate the, the numbers and make them dance like, you know, like the Godfather or something. Let's make it look like something shady, too. I'll call it a Ponzi scheme so it looks bogus. And, right. you know, it paints this negative light more on New Orleans. And who cares because it is New Orleans? <laughs> it bothers him because every year he commits to this take that the Saints can't sign free agents. They're going to have to cut people. It's the same reason you see people go on Twitter saying the Saints are going to trade Marshawn Lattimore for a third-round pick because they can't afford him. Right. Like It's like, no, sure. because you are willfully omitting the fact that they do this every year, and it's not a problem. Like, other teams do this, right? The Jets are going to do this when they trade for Aaron Rodgers, right? They're going to do the exact same thing because they also can't afford to put $15 million on their salary cap. So they're going to convert a lot of it, and they're going to do this, and everyone's going to be like, wow, they're cap geniuses. Amazing. Right? It's, it's crazy that they've been able to, to, to pull off this coup to add Aaron Rodgers, right? And uh, it's just for whatever reason, because it's the Saints, there's this idea that they shouldn't be doing this. They should be tanking just like everybody else. And it's like the NFL doesn't want you to tank. The NFL wants people to watch their football games. People will point to Trey Hendrickson walking as a sign right. that this is a problem. Uh, they couldn't sign him. They couldn't sign him because the Bengals wanted to pay him a crazy amount of money. But also, like, the reason they're in this position isn't because they let talented players walk. It's because they don't let talented players walk. It's because they paid Alvin Kamara. because they paid Michael Thomas. It's because they paid Marshawn Lattimore because they paid DeMario Davis, because they paid Cam Jordan, right? That's the reason you are constantly pushing money forward, because you are trying to remain competitive. So, like, if would people be happy if they paid Trey Hendrickson, but instead they let Marshawn walk? We'd be having the same conversation about, well, they, they didn't retain him because they didn't have the money to do it. Like, no team that drafts five pro bowlers is going to be able to re-sign all five pro bowlers to the second contract. And we have already established on this podcast that it is very clear that the Saints do not pay safeties at the top of the market. They just won't do it. You can argue the decision and the, and the, and the strategy behind it, but it's clear that that exists. So it's not a cap thing. It's it's a strategy thing. So it's like you can't have these like conflicting arguments and then expect me to be like, you know what? You're right. The Saints, the Saints are defrauding the NFL because Mike, Michael Thomas has a big cap hit next year. They literally put a note in his contract saying this is this restructure is to facilitate his release after the start of the league year. They're not hiding it. It's not a secret. And why? And the NFL has no incentive to do anything about it because it's not hurting anybody. And all it's doing is is making it so at least one team in this godforsaken division is trying to win it. You think the NFL wants all four teams in the division to tank at the same time? 
If anything, if they're going to change any rules, it's going to be to disincentivize tanking, not the other way around. We just need a. We need them to start doing better too, because a bear, Bobby a bear's whole take on the NFC South. He likes to call him the NFC doubt, and I hate it. It's bad. Yeah, he hasn't. He he he. The I NFC least was the solid. NFC doubt. Yeah, but that's bad. Anyway, there's one more line that I think is just like kind of hilariously backwards, right? Like, and it's now they're running a team like they know the league is folding in a few years and none of the rest of us do. And it's hilarious to me how wrong that is because it's not only like conceptually wrong, it's also like just think about what you're saying. They're not running a team like the league is folding. They're running a team like they know the salary cap is going to go up every year, which we all know the salary cap is going to go up every year. It does. It happens. The only year it didn't, and the reason that the Saints got into a precarious situation relative to the cap in the first place is there was a global pandemic, and the cap got reduced, right? Like, if not for that, we wouldn't be talking about this at all because they would be in a much more reasonable situation. It's just so funny to me. And it's like, we have this conversation every year, and it's the exact same takes, and it's the exact same responses, and it's like, you know this time next year, it's going to be the same conversation. Well, the Saints can't stand anybody. They're going to be $60 million over the cap. What could they possibly do? And I'm going to be like, well, you could do this, 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 this. I'm like, no, that's, that's, you can't do that. And they'll do it. And then they'll sign somebody and be like, what the hell? I can't believe they did. Anyway. Yeah. Last year was like, boom. I'm not like it was huge price tags, but still you got Taran Matthew and Jarvis Landry. Okay. Well, no big deal. I would argue Jar- Jarvis was only a one year, 6 million. So like, that's yeah. not the signing that, like that was a my market isn't what I thought it was, so I'm gonna take a cheap deal with the hometown team. I'm coming but the home, Tyron right. deal, he was the top safety on the market, and they signed him. And Marcus like, May too was pretty substantial, uh, significant. I don't know about the money though. Yeah, I mean, it was like three years, twenty eight million, something like that. Like they they paid money. Like it wasn't like they just signed a bunch of bargain bin guys. Like no, they right. signed established players. But it's like every year, it's like oh, they can't pay Marcus Davenport. They can't pay this guy. They can't pay that guy. And then the talking heads get frustrated because those guys are still on the team and they are still citing players and they can't wrap their heads around why that is, even though it's like, go to over the cap, like literally just do it. And you can see every move they can make. They couldn't spell it out for you any easier than they do. And not doing that is a choice. I think Nick Underhill said this. Like at this point, not like just having a basic understanding of how this works is a choice and you're making it. And I'm not arguing with you anymore. And I, I think it's a good point. And I think I'm about there myself because it's so stupid. It's just, I mean, the most amusing part of it, though, too, not just how wrong he was, but just how mad and how butthurt he really is over it. How confidently angry he is. How how righteously angry he is. And no yeah. one, what annoys me more than anything else is that he sits there and yells at three people around the table and they're all yeah. like, good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, ha, ha, yeah, funny. Good. Yeah, it's such a good point, Nick. Oh, yeah. Like maybe get one person that's gonna like be like, you know what? That's not what true. the hell are you talking about, right? <laughs> like, come on. And, but I think it's be honest. I mean, and I hate to say that's because it's the you know you target the Saints and you, everyone's like, okay, yeah, they're just they're just bagging on the Saints, right? If this like again, if this was the Jets, there would be like someone being like, huh, hmm, hmm. well, you know, in New York, it's worth it because. Meh. Like, no one's complaining that the Giants are signing Daniel Jones. Like, actually, that's not true. I'm not going to say that out loud because people are very much complaining. (laughs) I don't know. The the whole QB market, you 
everyone's just going to have to live with the fact that it's, you know, it's in bizarro land and it's not going to to straighten out anytime soon. It just gets, I don't know. You do you need a separate ca- salary cap just for quarterbacks. <laughs> it right. seems like, well, if anything, the league should be thanking the Saints for signing Derek Carr to a reasonable deal and not just yeah. throwing whatever they want, whatever he wanted at him. Right. Like, like they could have signed him for $40 million and probably guaranteed he came here. They kept it lower. And, you know, it's not their fault. The giants are going to throw $45 million or $40 million a year at Daniel Jones. Like, if you want an established quarterback, you pay quarterback money. Geno Smith is making 35. So, like, that's what the market is now. What are you going like, to do? The Saints right. didn't reset it. The Saints operated within the established quarterback market. And Nick Wright is angry that they did that. Nick Wright is angry that they're able to do that. And he's angry that Michael Thomas has a $59 million cap hit that isn't real. Until Thomas goes to the Chiefs, I don't know. I think he's going to stay in New Orleans. That's like the one thing he said. That is true, is that I think Mike Thomas is going to stay in New Orleans because it makes too much sense. And I, I don't know, like, yeah, maybe he does go somewhere else and, and like ring chases, right? Like, that's well, the only, but like, teams don't win back to back titles. So, thank, thank you, Jesus. Praying hands definitely makes me think we got a good chance of keeping yeah, Mike too. We, we, we did, we talked about that, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It just, it just, I mean, coming from him though, it just, it seemed pretty significant. So, I'm all in on. On the return of Mike T again. It is funny because I would argue Mike Thomas and Cam Jordan are the two most active Saints players on Twitter. Tyron Matthews up there as well. But like their their social media presences couldn't be different. Where like Mike Thomas, you read every one of his tweets and you have to be like, wait, what? Wait, what is he huh? saying here? Is he actually being literal or is this a rap lyric? Is he Do I Shazam it? Is he saying thank you, Jesus, to to Derek Carr, or is he just having a good day? Did he you know, did he get his income tax check in the mail? I, I don't know. With with Cam Jordan, it's like very straightforward. It's like, God, my my kid is about to break a seventy one thousand dollar foosball table. Someone save me! Like he he quote tweeted Fletcher Meckles mock draft, being like, "Ooh, defensive tag on the first round." Ooh, like you never have to question what he's what he's saying when he tweets. It's just very yeah, funny I love that the, the the fact that oh, Cam's not pulling the old. Oh, we don't pay attention to the social media at all. He's all yeah. up in it. And then Tyron's funny because Tyron will just. Just, just rag on people relentlessly. He tweeted something, and then someone responded like, "Jamar Chase owns you." And then his response was like, "Your mama don't love you." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you didn't have to kill him." Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you get a sick burn on Twitter, man. You're not recovering from that either when it's coming from Teran Matthew. You didn't have to murder him, right? Ow, it was <laughs> good knowing you. you. <laughs> and it was like so simple. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instant kill, activate. All right, let's wrap this segment up. Nick Wright is wrong, at Nick Wrong on Twitter. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Derek Carr with Scott Goldbranson, host of the Silver and Black Today podcast, another Odyssey 2400 Sports special. Going to give us some insight into what to expect from Derek Carr, you know, the person as well as the player. Apparently, Derek Carr also has a hype. A lot of folks protecting their, their man. Stick around for that. It's Inside Black and Gold. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And as promised, we have the soon-to-be biographer of Derek Carr. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> Host of Silver and Black Today and Raiders writer for Sports Not, Scott Goldbranson. 
He's uh, spent a lot of time talking about Derek Carr for the last nine or so years. So figured who better to get an inside look at what the Saints should be expecting than to bring him in. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller as always. Scott, how are you doing today? Good, Jeff, Steve, great to be with you. The silver and black meets the black and gold. I love it. You know, we got all these colors going on. We got a common color. Uh, we have two precious metals involved. I mean, it should be a good show, right? Yeah, but ours is more valuable. <laughs> That's true. But uh, but ironically enough, silver is mined in Nevada. It's the largest deposit of silver in the world. So there you go. It all fits well. This is a Precious Gems podcast now. <laughs> I, uh, we're going to upgrade. But no, so yeah, I, you you obviously just kind of distill for, for the Saints fan what is kind of the ethos of Derek Carr? Like what, as you kind of, in like a few sentences, if you can, what is Derek Carr as like a player, as a person, you know, what should Saints fans be expecting? Yeah, so I mean, I would start with with Derek Carr, the man. I think that no matter who you talk to, even folks who weren't fond of him as a player will tell you that you're getting just a really good guy. I mean, and of course, the legacy that Drew Brees has there, I mean, this is the same kind of guy. He's going to be a guy that's going to be really involved in the community. He's going to be involved with all sorts of charities and really does well. He's a guy strong in his faith. So he likes to put that up front, by the way. And so for him going into community, it's not just about playing football. He actually gets down and dirty and helps out. His family does that as well. He's got a foundation still in his hometown of Fresno, California. When he got to Las Vegas, coming from Oakland, when the team finally did move there, he got very involved in the community. It was very visible as well. So I think from the perspective as a human being, there's no arguing that Derek Carr is a phenomenal guy and, and really lives his life by a true north. He's really directed at uh, family life. He's directed at uh, doing well and giving back in the community. So from that perspective, New Orleans gets, I think, a, a new uh, resident who's really going to make the community a better place. So, you, you know, and that at the end of the day, we all talk about football here, but that's the stuff that matters most in, in the world. And so you got to give kudos to Derek Carr for that. As a football player, getting a very good quarterback, a guy who I think if you could describe his career with the Raiders was just a little bit um, uh, unfinished, a little bit uh, disappointing from the perspective of the team was never built around him significantly. I'm not just blaming the team. He's got some of the blame himself, which we'll get into. But I do think that Derek Carr, in the right situa situation with the right people around him, can be a quarterback that can take you to the promised land. I think it has to be the right situation. Uh, we thought early on that the best place for Derek Carr was going to be the NFC South. And sure enough, uh, landing there with the Saints was not a surprise. And I think he's got an opportunity there with what the Saints have built to, to do well and to do something he could never do as a Raider, and that's win a playoff game. And I think that's what you see is you'll see flashes of brilliance and you're like, how could a team give up on this guy? How could a team yeah. after nine years just say goodbye to him? But then you'll see the other side of Derek Carr, which is he sometimes makes decisions uh, at, uh, at a level where he's a nine-year veteran. You're thinking to yourself, okay, why did he just do that? That doesn't make any sense. Why is he inconsistent? And that's why he's not in Las Vegas was he came in, Josh McDaniels, of course, new head coach, Dave Ziegler, new GM. He had basically kind of a tryout year, and he had one of his years, worst years since his rookie season. So for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And we said, I think after eight weeks last season, guys, that it was probably best for an amicable divorce. Sometimes a guy needs a different, uh, I think, a different address to reach his full potential. And I always thought about that with Derek Carr. I would say, you know what? 
He'd been through so much with the Raiders that it would be best for him and probably the team to just move on from one another. Unfortunately, it didn't end as well as I thought it could, but certainly Derek Carr, the football player, will be a player that I think Saints fans, uh, especially with what you've gone through the last few years at quarterback since Drew Brees retired, uh, that you'll be happy with, and we'll see if he can get over that hump that he was unable to do uh, with the Raiders. We've been hearing a lot from his uh, his brother David going around talking about how even when other teams were after him and pursuing Carr during the process and then Indianapolis at the Combine and all, that he really took heart that the Saints players were just in constant contact with him. It seems like it's almost like, I guess, his heart got broken there in Vegas with this in a bit. And it's like he's looking for that. I, I want you to want me kind of thing. And I, it's it's kind of hard to believe in this QB hungry market that I thought I thought Carr would have a lot more suitors than he did, honestly. Yeah, I did too. At least, you know, at least a few more. I think that in the situation with Derek Carr, the one thing you'll learn about him, guys, as you cover him is no matter what he says at the podium, he's a very ultra sensitive guy. I mean, it just is. And you can tell People, you know, if you study any psychology, you know, people give you tips when they say certain things. And Derek Carr would say a lot when he could criticize. And of course, social media is accessible. We all know people (laughs) just go crazy on there. And it's unfair to players. A lot of times they are human beings after all. But Derek Carr, when he was being criticized, when he's going through bad situations, he would always talk about how he doesn't listen to any, any of that. He doesn't listen to any of that. Well, that tells you he was listening to it. And I think it got to him several times. And then his family, you talked about David Carr. They go out and defend him actively. They let Derek be the player and they kind of go out and they're the henchmen to go out and kind of confront people when they say things about it, whether it's Rich Gannon, a former NFL MVP, who they really tried to drive into the ground because he criticized Derek Carr. And that's the wow. downside to it. But but again, I, I do think that it was it was an unusual situation and some of it not his fault. I think, listen, you have a guy who's been there nine years, has a losing record, but you never brought anybody in to challenge him. Like he was never challenged. Uh, and I don't care how good you are. It's always good to have somebody challenge you and get you better. And I think that the organization failed their car ultimately because of the number of head coaches, because of the number of GMs. There was just never a consistency there. And so I think psychologically at some point he might have uh, put – there might have been a switch flipped that just made it somewhat impossible for him to reach his full potential with the Raiders. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we can go next is, you know, what – did hold him back because I feel like in my years of watching Derek Carr intermittently, right? Like I didn't happen upon a lot of Raiders games in new Orleans. It's not the game that shows up. (laughs) Right. And they haven't been good enough for me to have to watch them. So I just only see them effectively when they play the chiefs, right? Like I feel like of all the Derek Carr games I've watched, it's been the chargers and the chiefs. And every time I watch Derek Carr and Pat Mahomes play, it seems like Derek Carr is able to elevate his play and kind of get into a shootout with Pat Mahomes. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's only the games I've watched. But I always watch Derek Carr, and I'm like, oh, this is a good quarterback. He's ha- if it's a- he's a gunslinger. He's ha- he's in a shootout right now. And then I look at the stats, and it's like, oh, he threw for 220 yards and two touchdowns. It's like this very ho-hum stat line. But, like, you watch it, and you're like, this is a good quarterback. So what is the hang-up? Why hasn't he been able to kind of get over the top and what does New Orleans need to do to kind of maximize that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think if we talk about hangups with Derek Carr, I think it's always been the inability to extend plays with his legs, uh, especially right. in today's NFL. Now, at the end of the day, you want a guy who can throw from the pocket. You have to in the NFL. 
as so many of these great running quarterbacks. I mean, we're, we're all debating about Lamar Jackson right now, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to do that. And I think Derek Carr, when he's given the time, he's got a clean pocket and he can throw the ball, um, he's going to hit his guys. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good quarterback with a very strong arm and somebody who can run an offense. He's run six different offenses, so he's got a, a sample size that's pretty large. But at the end of the day, I think that's what it was. And, and decision-making in key moments, you know, it seemed to, yes, in rivalry games, and, of course, you'll see a lot of the, the stats about his fourth-quarter comebacks. Mm-hmm. But some of those fourth-quarter comebacks, when you really dig deep down in the numbers, it's because, yes, the Raiders have not had a good defense since I think I was in eighth grade. But other than that, they also had an offense that would start slow that would not score as much. If you look at what they were able to do, I mean, last year with the weapons they had with Devontae Adams and, of course, Josh Jacobs, who won the rushing title, all the stuff they had around them. And Derek Carr always seemed to do well in spurts and then suddenly fall back. And so I think that's what it was, is there's just this this desire to see him get over a a hump and just explode consistently. And I think consistency has been the issue. And I do think some of that's the supporting cast around him but at the same time, I think it's his biggest obstacle to overcome, which is can he do it? Can he have the confidence? Can he lead a team to the next step? Because if you talk to analysts, and we've had plenty of them on our show, including Rich Gannon and others, who say, you know what, Derek Carr is a great quarterback. He'll get you to a certain point. But is he the guy who, when the team is down and not performing well, is he going to put them on, your, on his shoulders and take them? And the answer is no. Uh, and so, so far of what we've seen now, in New Orleans, it's going to be interesting because I think he's got a good uh, offensive line there that he hasn't had quite uh, in quite a while in Las Vegas. And, and so it's a different situation. He's clearly the best quarterback of the division as we sit today. And so he's in a good situation to win. And I think that that was key for Carr in his next step was, you know, was he going to – in the AFC West, he's a good quarterback, but arguably you could say, even with Russell Wilson's terrible year last year, he was the, the, the fourth best quarterback out of four teams in the league because it's a stacked division. But in this case, he has the opportunity to go somewhere he can win. And I think that the right situation for him will make a big difference. And, and I think he does well, and I hope he does well. You mentioned that fact of, you know, Carr being that guy late in the game to lead a team kind of situation. But is he the at least that vocal leader, I would say, that someone is able to to rally the guy's around him kind of thing, the the rest of the, the teammates believing in, in his message, I guess, coming across. And unfortunately, with Carr coming to New Orleans, I wish De- Devontae Adams obviously could, could as well because <laughs> they seem to have a great rapport. Yeah, obviously playing together in college too helps that they've known each yeah, other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and their tendencies for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I think that if you look at that situation, um, in the locker room, guys loved him, right? Um, yeah. But is it a – that's because he's just a good guy. He was a leader two years ago with the John Gruden emails when John Gruden got forced out and had to, had to leave because of those emails. And then of course you had Henry Ruggs involved in the deadly car accident. That was a real tough time. And what did Carr do? Carr really just stabilized the locker room, kept everybody on the same page and with a late season run, got them to the playoff. So I think Derek Carr in the locker room is a good guy to have. Is he the raw, raw guy who's going to get in somebody's face? Absolutely not. He's not confrontational. Uh, like we see some of these great quarterbacks that they, they tend to do. And even Drew Brees with the Saints, right, would would get on guys and kind of lead the, the, the infamous speeches before the games and the huddles on the field. Drew Brees got me fired up. I wanted to get up and play. So he, he's not necessarily that guy, but I think he's definitely a leader by example. 
and he's a guy that people are going to go to and trust because he is such a good dude and he does care about people. You know, one thing he said that I find funny is like, he's not that mobile, but at the same time, he's definitely more mobile than Andy Dalton. <laughs> so in that sense, <laughs> yes. he's a clear upgrade from a mobility perspective. Heck, probably is more mobile than Drew was. He might be the most mobile quarterback the Saints have had since like Aaron Brooks, which yes. is saying something about the Saints. But, you know, one thing that I am curious about, obviously, this is not a new thing. Dennis Allen having Derek Carr as his quarterback, right? <laughs> the Raiders yeah. know very well what Dennis Allen and Derek Carr kind of look like as a pairing, at least four games of it, because four that games. 2014 season, he got fired after four games. They also now have their defense coordinators with the Raiders in 2014. Their secondary coach was with the Raiders in 2014. It is a very much Raiders 2014 experience. And I'm just curious what that, that's got to be weird from a Raiders perspective of like, I remember this. Um, and I mean, Obviously, Derek is a different guy than he was back then. I think a decade apart from anybody will be different. But I'm curious, you know, what what is kind of the, re the reaction like when you see that um, and you can like hold it up against, you know, oh, look at that. <laughs> well, it goes to show something that you guys know really well. And I know probably your listeners know well if they're big football fans, which is the NFL coaching uh, fraternity is very small. It's very insulated. And because of that, you're going to see guys, they're going to cross paths many times in the course of their career. And in this case, a player like Derek Carr, who, who first started for Dennis Allen, gets an opportunity to go back with him. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, Raiders fans overall have been telling us, boy, you know, he's going to get him fired a second time is kind of the people who don't like Derek Carr. That's what they say about Dennis Allen. Uh, because De Derek Carr, I think they were three and thirteen that year. They ended up that year, and and so on. So so that that's the inside joke. But a lot of Raider fans, Derek Carr was polarizing for Raider fans. Ex coaches are polarizing. I mean, the the Raiders have had so many coaches. It's almost like if you look at the family tree of the band Deep Purple. I think they've had like seventy members of Deep Purple, and it's sort of the same thing with Raider coaching staff. So it's one of those weird situations. And and Raider fans, I think, are looking at it and saying, wow, you know, it's so weird how it's kind of come full circle like that for Derek Carr, and it's got to feel strange for him. But clearly the Saints organization believes in Dennis Allen and what he's doing with that team, and the familiarity there is going to be great for them because at least they have that, and um, I, I'm sure that that lent very uh, massively to Derek Carr feeling comfortable when he came down to New Orleans and visited. Are any uh, soon-to-be uh, guys – uh, on offense, soon to be free agents that may be tempted to follow Derek down to New Orleans? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing that was surprising to me because when, when Derek Carr was, uh, before he got benched and kind of stepped away from the, the team for those final two weeks of the season, you know, all of his teammates always showed love, talked about him. And then after that happened, there was a little bit of a shift. They didn't throw him under the bus or anything, but there was just like, a, hey, it's a business. We got to go on. And so I, I don't know about free agents. I do think, I mean, because Josh Jacobs was tagged and, and, right. and obviously the Saints have a good running game already, but, but he was tagged. So he's going to get a, a long-term contract before July, I believe. Uh, but Darren Waller, I would watch for that because Darren Waller and, and Derek Carr have had a great connection. Waller's been injured a bit too much the past two seasons and that raises some questions, but but the Raiders could be in a position, depending what they do during this draft and offseason, uh, to perhaps move him. I don't know that they have the confidence they had in him, as great as his abilities are. So if they're looking for an old school hiccup, uh, hookup between former teammates, that might be a good one to watch out for New Orleans is the availability of Darren Waller. Yeah, Saints fans have nightmares still about Darren Waller when he destroyed them in Vegas. Yes, 
I was at that game. I covered that game. It was in an empty stadium, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, the, the COVID year, and we had opened the stadium there. And it was the first that's game where you in Allegiant Stadium, I think. It was the first game, and we were yeah. sitting in the press box, which is way high in the stadium, <laughs> and you could hear them trash-talking. That's how quiet it was because there was not a yeah. soul in there except for security guards. So it was a really uh, interesting game as well. But then, of course, Derek Carr comes to New Orleans this past year, can't get past the 50-yard line the whole game. Which is really interesting, and but maybe that speaks to also Dennis Allen's uh, ability to know the quarterback really well, which would I would assume help him uh, improve him as well. It is it is telling about how much Dennis Allen likes Derek Carr that he himself managed to shut him out and keep him from getting past the fifty yard line. I was like, I want that guy, I want him. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. know the secret no yeah. one else does. Absolutely. But I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, and, and Derek Carr's gone now. You don't have to you don't have to worry about any any David Carr backlash. So. We'll take the hit if I, I so look in your crystal ball five years down the road. Will Saints Ooh. fans and the Saints front office be yeah, you can do that. Uh <laughs> be like great signing. Or will it ultimately be like, is this you know, the oh, here's Derek Carr getting Dennis Allen fired again? What would your prediction for that be? Because I think it's polarizing, right? 31-year-old quarterback sure. hasn't won a playoff game as a career losing record. It could be Matt Stafford, but it could also be, I don't know, I, I can't think of an example, but you know, it obviously doesn't go well all the time. So what would your prediction be? So I, here's what I would say, is, is, and this is all just based on, on watching him as I've covered them, as we've had the show and as a writer, which is I would suspect that if we're talking five years from now, the way that Saints fans will look back at the Derek Hart era, however long it lasts, is that it was the right move for the Saints at the time. It's going to stabilize the offense for you. You're going to have a quarterback who could get you to the playoffs, maybe even win some playoff games if everything goes well. But other than that, I think in some ways he's going to be an expensive bridge quarterback for the Raiders, which is he's going to stabilize the position. It's going to allow the, the, um, the Saints to go out and perhaps in the next few years get a young quarterback, develop that young quarterback, and in the meantime – uh, still be competitive and and what and you never know you get on a run and, and crazy things could happen and you could win a Super Bowl but at the same time if I was going to bet on it what I bet Derek Carr gives the Saints a, a world championship I would say no okay wait hold. okay yeah David Carr's in the corner and he he gave me a thumbs up after that <laughs> so you're good to go uh yeah you can continue about your business um but yeah good stuff and that was a completely unfair question so I appreciate you giving it oh, your best no it, it, it's fair because <laughs> And that's the thing covering Derek Carr, and you guys will learn this firsthand, which is, again, you like the guy because he's such a good guy, uh, and, he's, and he's got talent. I mean, he's, is he a top 10 quarterback? No. Is he a top 15, top 12 quarterback? Absolutely. Does he have the abilities to where he could be a top 10 quarterback? You see it all the time, and I think that's for Raider fans why so many of them over the last couple of years soured on him was because they saw it, they saw it, they saw it, but it never – got to the point where he could overcome some things and again not all his fault but certainly some of it he owned and that's where I think he started to lose the fan base a bit or at least half the fan base um, and that's the thing you'll learn too about the Derek Carr fan base because I think a lot of them will come over to the Saints fan base because they were Derek Carr fans not Raider fans uh, and they're very polarized they either love him like he's David Koresh excuse the expression or they despise him like, you know, he's a, uh, a third world uh, dictator. So there's no in between. It's very odd that way. Uh, but I think you'll see that um, 
that you'll you'll get people who really will be proud and and look he's he's an upgrade at your at the position for the Saints there's no question about it the Saints will instantly be better for Derek with Derek Carr there and um, it'll give uh, Saints fans I think a lot of hope that they can get into the playoffs and, and do something uh, right away. You know? Scott, Scott, what are you guys going to do at quarterback now, though, real quick? Yeah, it, it's a great question. I think they're going to they're going to bring Archie Manning out of retirement. Don. <laughs> um, uh, no, I think what the Raiders, I think that what their plan is going to be is they're going to sign, in essence, a veteran, uh, a bridge veteran. Raider fans aren't excited about the name, but a Jimmy Garoppolo or yeah, somebody of that, that nature. Great. Although there'll be some, you know, I think there'll be some demand for him. So we'll see where it goes. Jared Stidham, who started two games for the Raiders last year after they benched Derek Carr, who came with Josh McDaniels from New England. I think he'll be the odds on, odds on starter, uh, actually. Um, and then they will draft a young quarterback. Who do they draft up or do they trade up, excuse me, in this year's draft from they're at seven. So to me, to get one of those quarterbacks, they're going to have to go up to three. And so we'll see if they're able to do that. But that, that would be my guess is they're going to go – with somebody and it's going to be a bit of a rocky year uh, up and down year. And then they'll try to develop the young quarterback. They have to get their next franchise quarterback or they have trouble in that division because that division now is stacked uh, and you have two quarterbacks that aren't going anywhere for a really long time in Justin Herbert and Patrick Holmes. Trade everything for Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I, I tell you what guys, I, I know people are making fun of me. I, I don't think Anthony Richardson makes it as a quarterback in the NFL. Amazing athlete, but I right. just don't, there's no sample size. I mean, he's, He's a, an unbelievable kid. Like if you talk, if you if you hear him talk and you've heard his interviews, uh, but at the same time, so raw. Now, if a team gives him three or four years, maybe. But I'm gonna bet he becomes a tight end. It is fascinating to me that everyone's just kind of decided, yeah, for sure, Anthony Richardson. And it's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, when it comes to quarterbacks, and Derek Carr is a perfect exception to this. But in so mm-hmm. many instances, just throwing a guy in right away is. I would argue is the reason they failed. I don't think Zach Wilson was programmed to be a bust until the Jets got a hold of him. I don't think <laughs> Sam Darnold was programmed to be a bust until the Jets got a hold of him. We could just do this with Jets quarterbacks, but it's true across the board. Like Josh Rosen needed time. Like guys like that, they, they wouldn't all have been successful, but like give them time to develop rather than just saying, yeah, they, they're bad. They, they can't win there yeah. anyway. And that's where the money comes in, right? Because there, there's so much money involved yeah. now, you know, back, Back when we were kids, they would do that because they weren't paying them as much. Now you get these guys in the NFL. I mean, look at Jalen Hurts, right? People were people. Were, he fell, he fell. He gets in the second round. The Eagles draft him, and and people and he's not starting. And people are like, well, he's never going to make it, right? <laughs> and then look what he does this year. So I think they're. I think the NFL. I'm optimistic is starting to come around to the fact that you know what, you have to have a plan at quarterback, and it's going to include two guys for a while until you can turn over the reins to a young player because of the defenses, the complexity of the offenses nowadays, they just need some more time. And it would be really sad. And we've seen it yet. You're right. With so many guys, kids that probably could have made it in the NFL, at least had a good career, never get a chance because after two years, they're run out of the league because they were high draft picks and couldn't make it. Agree completely. All right, Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Check him out. Host of silver and black today podcast. Also on the Odyssey network He's also Raiders writer for sports, not currently trying to figure out who's going to start for the Raiders next year as the rest of us are and uh you know and just just fishing for David Carr to stop giving him grief on the internet (laughs) Scott thanks so much appreciate it all right Jess and uh yes you will get blocked by David Carr if you criticize him (laughs) sounds good can't wait I appreciate it a lot I I got I got blocked by Eli Apple's mom so that was a treat yeah Yeah. that's also a rite of passage
Right, that is a that right is, passage. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Inside Black and Gold. One more segment in the books. Again, thanks to Scott Cole Branson for giving us a lot of insight into Derek Carr and you know what to expect. I thought he made a lot of interesting, interesting points there. Again, like I, th- I mentioned this to him, the the mobility thing is funny to me because while he might not seem like the most mobile person in the world, he's like worlds more mobile than anyone the Saints have had. And, and I would argue, including Jameis Winston. Considering he ran a five-second forty at the combine, although how like soon, J- Jameis has been reasonably. How mobile. soon you forget about Taysom? He's never he's never been the starter, so yes, I did forget about Taysom. <laughs> and and what a minute is Ian Book more mobile? This is true. This is true. But I'm talking about like guys that they actually wanted to start, not guys that they had to start. I'm gonna say Ian started that crucial Monday Night Football game. <laughs> yeah, man, well, it was, was a, so ridiculous. It, the, it, you're joking, but it was a crucial game. Yeah, no, right, right. They missed the playoffs because of that game. <laughs> because yeah. you will not convince me that the Saints don't beat like they were competitive in that game. They lost like a 20 to 3, right? But it's because they could not move the ball, but like the defense was competitive even with half the starters out. If they win that game, they make the playoffs anyway. I'm not mad about it. But they wait a minute. In the first round. The, <laughs> somebody on the San Francisco 49ers has a cough. Let's cancel their game and reschedule it. Yeah. I mean, the thing that we don't talk about with that is like, it's a good thing they missed the playoffs because if they got to the playoffs, it would have been Trevor Simeon starting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Fun time. Because Taysom got, obviously got hurt in that in that week 17 game, week 18 game. Um, but that's not what we're talking. We're not here to rehash why the Saints shouldn't have had to play that Monday night game back in 2021. We are going to talk about some, some predictions for where Saints free agents will land. And the reason it started this with Derek Carr is because we're going to go into the player who isn't technically a free agent yet, but dollars to donuts he will be by this time next week, or or at least designated a, a post-June 1 cut. You know, I, It's going to be interesting to see how they manage it, but that's Jameis Winston. I don't think that you keep him on this roster. It would be kind of a mean thing to do, in my opinion, of like, oh, you, you got someone, and it's like, we're just going to hold you ransom for a year, right? Like that... That'd be kind of lame to me. So I'm going to kind of look at him as a free agent. And so where do you think he's going to end up? Because I think he's going to end up somewhere. And the question is, is he going to be there as a starter or as a backup? So what what is your prediction for him? Yeah, I would think that Jameis would have to go into a role where I don't think any team is is going to just going to definitely hand the reins over to him, kind of like was supposed to be here in New Orleans where he was coming in a clear-cut starter, but I could see him competing and in the mix for that starting job, promise that at least, but definitely not anywhere I would think coming in day one, you're the bona fide guaranteed starter here. Uh, It'll be interesting for him because I do think... I want a real prediction, Steve. You're dancing around it. I don't know. I I could could see a Jameis Winston in a a, a Raiders uniform, as crazy as that sounds. A, A complete swap right there would be wild. I mean, it's kind of like what the kind of like what the Saints and the Bears did last year <laughs> with backup Seriously. TV, right? Right. Like Trevor Simeon ended up on the Bears, and Danny Dalton ended up on the Saints. Here, here's 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 the thing. I think that's going to be the case with the Saints and the Dolphins this year. 
I think Jameis Winston is going to be the backup on the Dolphins. He's obviously, you know, That's a great familiar with that right area, there. right? He works out there in the in the offseason. Teddy, I would say, did not work out there, but he could come back and be and be Derek Carr's backup, right? So, like, that's kind of my my off the wall prediction is Jameis Winston is the backup to Tua, which is a pretty prime backup spot if you had to be a backup anywhere. Oh, poor and Tua. it's a great offense to have to kind of walk into. Like, and this is just assuming like he can't get a starting job somewhere, which I think is I don't think he's guaranteed a starting job. And yeah, it's, like uh, I don't I don't think it's a scenario where someone's looking to draft a QB early. And it's like, well, we have Jameis as the guy, as our backup, you know, while we get the other quarterback ready kind of thing. I think Jameis will still be that break in case of emergency kind of quarterback. Not and, Unless, obviously, he's a clear-cut winner come, quote-unquote, you know, during training camp, he he wows everybody. But I definitely think there's a place for him in the in the league, but as a, as a definite starter, not, not quite yet. But I am – he has that capability, especially – I mean, we, we've seen – there's, there's a lot of QB teams hurting right now in the NFL. And what about something wild scenario of him even going to like Carolina? I mean, they, they're still in the QB need mode, but I know it's tough when they have how many quote unquote washed up arms right. over there already kind of deal. The Island of misfit top. Yeah, picks. yeah there you go. Right. Yeah. I, I think if, if there's a team that does probably need to go find a starting quarterback and needs a bridge, probably be Indy, right? If Indy trades up and takes Bryce Young, which I think is a realistic possibility, or if they stay, stay stand pat and take like a Will Levis, I think one way or another, you know, I don't think they're going to go with Sam Ellinger. I don't think they're going to bring Matt Ryan back. And they might be in the market for a one-year starter. And it might be a good situation for him to kind of reestablish that he can be a starter in the NFL. So that, I think that's kind of where I land with him is like he he might go, he, he'll either be a like a, a high value backup on a team that knows that it can win even if it's starting quarterback goes down. Right. So they're going to want to put someone in that position that like a guy who's an injury risk, like Tua, you feel good about his backups. Same reason they had Teddy Bridgewater last year, but Teddy Bridgewater is also injury prone. Jameis Winston is also injury prone. The, the problem with Teddy is, you know, like Jameis's injuries, you can at least explain away in their lower body and stuff like that. Teddy's another concussion. I don't think you want to have two concussion-prone players in the same quarterback room. Got to mix up the injuries because, like, how? Like at least twice this season, you saw. Oh, Tua went out with a with a head injury. Oh, Teddy went out with a head injury. Oh no, what do we do now? So that's kind of where I'm at. But okay, let's let's move on from him. That's my guess for him is Miami backing up Tua. Next on this list, Marcus Davenport. I think this is a pretty easy one. I would put money on Marcus Davenport being on the Falcons roster next year. Wow. That's pretty bold. Well, and here's the reason. They have a lot of money to throw around. Like, sure. you can say, is he worth this from the Saints side of things? And they have to consider that because whether we, we did just go through like a long form breakdown of like why Nick Wright was wrong, but why he is right is they're going to be at a disadvantage in this situation, even if they wanted to bring him back and we're willing to pay more than he might be worth to do it because the Falcons actually need, they're going to need to spend money to, to reach like the floor. Like they have to spend money. So if Ryan Nielsen is like, I want to bring him in. I think last year was an aberration and we're going to get him at a discount. Like by the time his contract is over, you're going to be like, wow, what a steal. 
on this guy. The Saints didn't franchise him, so he's he's going to hit the open market. And I think it, it's going to be one of those situations where like the Falcons just take him because they can. I've been really surprised on all the pre-free agency, you know, chatter you re- or read about. There's been quite an interest, or I'm not going to say a demand, obviously, but yeah, there's definitely been interest from people seeing other markets having a need for a guy like Davenport, even despite the injury troubles and him not playing that much. I've seen Cleveland Browns, uh, the Houston Texans. I, I don't think the Saints invest that money into him just because I, I think they pretty much know the guy he is right now. And, you know, we kind of talked about the last segment. It, it's just time for a guy like Derek Carr to have a new change of scenery. I think that's the case for Marcus Davenport as well. Things just never were able to take off here, unfortunately. I love the raw power there. I love the strength that he does have combined with the speed. It's just unfortunate we we don't see enough of it on the field. Uh, yeah, and it's also a position that I would argue the Saints are reasonably deep at. Like they don't have to tilt because they they yes, still have Cam right. Jordan. They have Peyton Turner, who they they need to at least give a chance to get on the field, right? Like he needs to have a route to playing time. Carl Granderson has been very good, right? Tano Passigno they brought back and they clearly like. And then I think you draft a guy. I don't think I don't know if you draft him in the top three rounds, but you do draft right. a guy. And then I would like to see them try to use Zach Bond in a pass rushing capacity in some way. Because I think that is an that is an untapped area for him that I think he actually could be pretty good at. I mean, you have one more year with him, so you want to see what he can do there. Please, let's see something from Peyton Turner, too. But, okay, and then and then the guy on this list, David Onyemata, I think he's back with the Saints. Yeah, I think he's a, a must to bring back, honestly, because you really don't have much going on in that interior. They have I mean, nobody. I feel like you've seen enough flashes with him and you have invested a lot of, you know, development in, in, in the guy that, you know, we've heard all the story of him being from, you know, the Canadian uh, playing football in Canada, the Manitoba uh, Mahler. Raw on top prospect kind of deal. And he seemed to be a lot healthier, obviously, last season. And there were there were points where he was able to, to generate that that pressure and that push. Uh, I just... It's just something you would hope you would see more from him, and I, I don't know if there's ever going to be that other next level that we've been waiting for kind of from Onyemata. No, I mean, you talk about David Onyemata, and he is a way better Iron Man than people give him credit for. Other than the six-game suspension, obviously, which yeah. that has nothing to do with health, he's only missed two games in his career. He That's played in all impressive. 17 right. games last year. He played in all 11 games he was eligible for last year. He played in all 16 games his first three seasons, and he played in 15 out of 16 games in both the 2019 and 2020 seasons. So, like, in that sense, he has been very healthy. He started slow. I think he was he had a rough end of the 2021 season. I don't think he yeah. ever came back from that suspension and got in a rhythm. And he had a rough start to this past season, but I think he came on strong later in the year. And I think that's, like, when you're looking at the Saints and they have to spend somewhere – you're going you're gonna to allow Marcus Davenport to get out the door because, A, he was not productive, and, B, you have to have someone you trust in the interior. Like, right now, I don't know who that's going to be, right? Shai Tuttle's a free agent. Like, I imagine they bring him back, but, like, Kentavious Street, another guy who I'm guessing is going to end up on the Falcons, right? So, like, that's the only reason, like, people are mocking defensive tackles to the Saints, and it's not because 
necessarily because it's like, oh, I love this defensive tackle. It's because they desperately need defensive tackle. No, that's scary, too. You think about, obviously, you mentioned with Davenport going to Atlanta. Uh, I could see, obviously, too, we've mentioned before previously, you can pretty much lock, stock, and guarantee Contavious Street. But, I, I mean, even Onyemata would be someone, obviously, if that relationship he had with uh, Nielsen was so good that he wouldn't consider taking money to go over there. Agreed. Okay, so these 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 are a handful of guys that I think are going to resign. JT Gray, I think you have to bring him back. Justin Evans, I think he had a solid season. He had some rough spot patches, but all in all, you asked him to do a lot more than you probably expected with Marcus May missing a lot of time. And I think he held up pretty well. And I, um, say, so I, good. I consider that obviously valuable depth too, for sure. Yeah, I like him back. Uh, Caden Ellis, I would be incredibly disappointed if he doesn't come back. But you could you can you can almost feel it because of him having that huge productive year, and now suddenly more eyes are all on this guy. It'll be interesting to see what that price tag though is for 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 Ellis because while say what we did get to witness this season was impressive, it just it's really not still that much of a you know sample size for you to dole out the big bucks for him. I agree. I think it is going to come down to his price tag. If it's reasonable, he comes back. If it's unreasonable, I think he has to go. And that's that would be frustrating. But you sign Derek Carr, right? And like that is the only part of the whole takedown of that decision that I agree with is it is going to impact your ability to sign players this season. To what extent though, right? Like yeah. I, I mean to what extent? I think if you had to prioritize one of these two guys in terms of David Onyemata and Caden Ellis, I think you have to prioritize David Onyemata. And it's for no other reason than you desperately need defensive tackles and you need one you trust. Because like, I don't care how good the offense ends up being next year. If you get run all over, that's, that's really just difficult to win games that way. And then you would end up being an, another reason that, the, that Derek Carr can't win is because the Saints defense falls off a cliff the second you got there. There's one more free agent that I am very confident in and where he's going to go. And I'm curious where you think he's going to go before I tell you where I think he's going to go. Okay, Deontay Hardy. What do you think is going to happen with him? Ooh, definitely do not think the Saints bring him back with the emergence, obviously, of Rashid Shahid in the not just you know the kicking game, also what he was able to do in the offense. But where I think he would go, man, I'm trying to think. Maybe Denver, just because Peyton's there. I, I, I'm guessing you'll say yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. He is going to end up in Denver, like Sean if nothing else, is an ego guy, right? Like, he found this guy out of Assumption College. He's a very good returner. And the only reason that he's not going to be on the Saints is because they just they, they, they feel like they can go find returners. Absolutely. And I, I would be stunned if he is not on the Broncos next season. Because I don't know if his value around the league is, is ever going to be as high as Sean Payton knows it is. Because he found him. It's like if Taysom Hill hit free agency, it'd be like snapping him up instantly, right? Like same thing with Deontay. And I don't think it's coincidence that like Sean left town and all of a sudden Deontay's like phased out. I, 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 would, bet, I would bet money that, that he ends up in Denver and it would be a good spot for him. Like he would be a good role where he could be on an offense that he was getting built into, right? Sean Payton's offense was featuring him more and more. He had a role in it. And he also was an all pro return man as long as he can stay healthy. I think it's a no-brainer. He's definitely See, not going to be back in the Saints. One you mentioned right there, too, that I'm also interested, honestly, is the whole T Taysom Hill conundrum with Peyton. Will he 
be bold enough to come after him and try to get him to Denver kind of deal? Or is that too much, too much of a threat? I don't want to say threat, but too much of something that would disrupt a quarterback like Russell Wilson. I don't know. He's not going to come after Taysom. Not on that deal. Not to be his, his gadget guy in Denver. No, he might go try to find a gadget guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But also, you don't necessarily need a gadget guy with Russ, right? Like, Russ is mobile. He's not going to run between the tackles, but I don't think you take that guy off the field the way that you would a Drew, knowing that you can do a lot more with him outside of the pocket. Um, Yeah, I guess not not yet at least, right? He's not someone that's not a mobile option for you. I don't don't think he's going to come after Taysom. It's just obviously because you know he's someone that has – you know, gushed over saying that, you know, he, he's the one they were looking, they were looking at somebody else with green Bay and obviously whatever he saw in Taysom stuck out. It's like, I want that guy. Agreed. I think that's the last one on my list. I guess Andy Dalton, what is, what is your, what is your, what is your guess for Andy Dalton? I guess he doesn't come back. I think someone else will find, he'll find a home somewhere in that realm where just waiting in the wings to take over a starting job, um, that's why I guess I'm I'm hoping that Andy does move on just because it seems like lately wherever he's been the backup, the, the, the starter suffers some kind of injury and isn't able to continue. So don't want to jinx Derek Carr's streak of, you know, not being banged up in a year. So to to Andy Dalton, but they're obviously going to need to find a reliable backup there because I don't think the Jameis will be back. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to 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 kind of think he might be back on the saints right like i wouldn't i wouldn't bet against it but like yeah i think there's going to be a team like maybe like again the colts right they might they need a veteran who can show up and be a bridge and maybe he's that guy right like i think he's still good enough he was good enough when the bears needed it i think he showed last year he's good enough to do it again so yeah i I think i think the colts might be like just like for the same reason that the colts could be a good destination for Jameis. I think they could be it could be a good destination for Andy, but if that market's not there and the Saints can get him back another one one year three million dollar contract, you know, or like like even a Houston, you know, they're going to take a QB early, you know, go in there and help mentor whoever you know the Texans get kind of thing. Yeah, that could be an option. The problem is like they're going to have a lot of pressure to start that guy right away. Well, that's why. Hey, there's Andy for you. No pressure here. Right, a guy you never have to worry about benching. <laughs> exactly that is the funny thing with the bridge like you want the bridge quarterback to play well but you don't want him to play too well that like you're like, you're like hmm. you can't go to your rookie when you want to because he's like has you in the playoffs right <laughs> well that, see that was you know you mentioned that that was one of the things last year i kept looking at atlanta and i was like what are you going to make the move but i guess it was because they were quote unquote still in contention and why they didn't make the move the NFC South made sure that they couldn't put Desmond Ritter in until the final four games of the season. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I, I like definitely any other thought... division, other than maybe the AFC South, it would have been like, yeah, you can start him after week 12, maybe week 10. <laughs> that whole experiment didn't seem like it was going to go well for them. And I was, I was definitely surprised to see Mariota stick around as long as he did. But yeah, that, that NFC South kept, that, kept him going. Ooh. That's a yawn for me, which means that it is time to end this Cut program. Thanks, everyone who listened. This is Inside Black and Gold. Obviously, we did not do the mailbag this week. We wanted to get in an interview. We swapped a mailbag for just one big bag of questions for one person. But I anticipate 
that we will be back at it with the mailbag next week. Obviously, it's the start of free agency, so there's going to be some interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Any parting thoughts, Steve, before we go? No, definitely looking forward to the cranking up a free agency. And I know it probably won't be, I don't think, too active for the Saints early on just because they're not going to be the big money players. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how active they can be. Yeah, They've exactly, already made right. their splash, right? <laughs> exactly. But all right, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. He will be out at Derek Carr's press conference on Saturday. I cannot Woo-hoo. be there. I will be watching remotely, but then I will be walking around in a parade. I got my got my cane today, my uh, flower Rocket cane. Stick. Yeah, it's got orange in it because that's the only one they had left, but I figure I'll just give out those first so by the end of the parade, people will assume I got the right one. I don't think anyone cares, right? No, but if anyone's out on the parade route, hit me up on Twitter and I'll, I'll look for you and I'll give you my garbage. I mean flowers. <laughs> Track down Jeff for kisses. Yeah, don't kiss me. Just take the flower and go away. All right. This is Inside <laughs> Black and Gold. Peace. <laughs>